back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Sunday Wire. I'm your host, Patrick Henson. Thank you for joining us for this 100th episode. What a fantastic segment with Sean Helton uh, in the last hour. If you missed that on the live stream, you can go ahead and pick that up on the archive, which will be posted at 21st Century Wire minutes after the show. And we're joined this hour uh, by our next guest, a very special guest. We're very pleased that he's available uh, for this special episode. And it's a man who needs no introduction. Uh, this is a best-selling author. This is a public speaker, large public speaker, and also uh, a great pundit, um, one of the best pundits, one of the best all-around pundits, in my view, uh, that's out there to provide you know, different views on different things. And uh, his name is David Ike. David, thank you so much for joining us this week. It's a pleasure, Patrick. Congratulations. No, thank you, David. It's been uh, so. It's a weekly show. This is a, so. We're just over two years, and uh, we're pleased that we're still here. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people are like that in this uh, alternative arena, but um, you know we're we're needed to say the least now because what was apparently theory and um, nutters uh, and ridiculous um, statements about what was going to come. Um, is now being read on the television news. So um, shows like this need to survive and prosper. Yeah, and that, that's interesting that you you bring this up straight out of the out of the gates, David, because this kind of segues into my introduction with you. You know, one of the the thing, what I, I mean, you're you're somebody that you're probably I don't know how to say this, David, but you aside from being one of the most well read or people that have read your books, I run into people all the time who've read your books everywhere. And aside from being someone who everyone's read, you're also the, probably the most talked about pundit on out there on the scene uh, in the alternative media, but even in the mainstream media. And I think you've got an extraordinary lesson for everybody because there was a time when you were absolutely had to run the gauntlet of public ridicule. And most people, that's what keeps people in fear, even if they're not famous or they're not in media, they don't even want to talk about these issues or bring up alternative views to their friends, to their family, to their work colleagues. And But you had to go through the, you had to run the gauntlet on a big scale. And you've come out the other end. And I think that that experience that you've got is really valuable to share with people because it, it, to help them gather the courage to do something in their lives as individuals well the thing is i've been saying patrick um all these 25 years i've been doing it um that the essential foundation the essential uh ingredient anyone that wants to do this is to ditch the fear of what other people think two things ditch the fear of what other people think Get rid of any preconceived idea, belief system, um, political belief system, uh, reality belief system. Um, and when I say digit, I mean put it aside, because if we come to research and uncover what is happening in this world, a point of view of um, a preconceived idea and a belief system which is non-negotiable, then we are going to go so far, not very, and then stop. Because 
what is happening in this world is so fantastically, so indescribably almost different to what we're told is going on. And I'm talking multiple levels here. The nature of reality right through to the political um, cover stories that we're given. But if you have a belief system that has to be protected and your mind is not open to follow information rather than belief, then you're never going to get deep enough in the rabbit hole to uncover what we need to know to get a, a grasp on what's happening in the world. Now, in stage two, if you are um, in fear of what other people think, then even if you um, override stage one and go deep in the rabbit hole and see what a fantastically different world we're living in to the one that we appear to be living in, then that fear of what other people think is not going to communicate that information because most people on first hearing, second hearing, third hearing, and a few more actually with most people, they're going to dismiss it by reflex action. So if you don't come from this with no preconceived idea and no fear of what other people think, then you're, you're going to, you'll, you'll, you'll do some things, but you won't go very far. And for me, Patrick, um, the time has come in the alternative arena globally where this has to happen. Because, you know, people talk about the alternative media as if it's a, an, uh, a thing in itself. It's like an entity in itself. It's not. What we call the alternative media is a vast, vast spectrum of perspective and belief, which starts on one side with um, researchers who are almost imperceptibly di uh, no different from the mainstream and it goes across this vast spectrum into people like me who are questioning every facet of what we have been told is real and um we have in the alternative media um the same mainstream media reflex action to dismiss anything that is beyond the belief system of the time um all i say to people is instead of reflex action dismissal, look at it, research it, keep an open mind about it. Because we, um, according to um, mainstream science e even, which is the Stone Age compared with what there is to know, um, we see the most ludicrously tiny fraction, the tiniest band of frequency called visible light, that you could imagine. We're almost blind. According to mainstream science, the electromagnetic spectrum is as small in some uh, assessments as 0.005% of what they say exists um, in the universe. And visible light is a fraction of that 0.005%. Some say it's a bit more, but not, not much. Also, every second... We are apparently uh, receiving, or the brain's receiving, um, something like 11 million what they call sensations. 
bits of information. And the brain, every second, takes from that 11 million 40 to construct our apparent visual reality. And when you start to see, get into this area of things, and why I'm mentioning it now, is that the very idea that what we know is all there is to know, um, and, and that we can make definitive statements about um, things and dismiss things when we can perceive such a shockingly factional um, amount of reality is ridiculous. And in the same way, for um, a religious follower to say all I need is between the covers of these two books um, and, and, and uh, dismiss anything outside it, I mean, that is just um, uh, closing yourself to the very um, information and potential information that's going to give you a fix on the world. And one of the um, themes, Patrick, that you find all the way through history, the wording's slightly different, but it's the same theme coming up from people of some kind of wisdom, is the theme of wisdom is knowing we know nothing. That's not we meaning know nothing at all, but we know nothing compared with what there is to know. And that continually keeps your mind open. And, and the alternative media still, not all of it by any means, but great chunks of it, are still stuck in this realm of the five senses and the five senses alone. Can I touch it, taste it, see it, hear it, etc.? Therefore, it must exist. And that is part of the prison. The five-sense level of reality is but a tiny um, fraction of our interdimensional infinite awareness. And the, the whole, in this, my view over the uh, years that I've been researching this, and this is why understanding at least the basics of the illusory nature of physical reality is so vital to researching this, it's that for me, the foundation of the whole conspiracy, the perception-deception, is uh, to focus and entrap human perception, human sense of attention in the five senses. And once you've done that, you have no other um, point or filter through which to look at the world, except the five senses. And who controls the information that is being um, filtered and processed by the five senses? It's the system, it's the media, it's, the, it's governments, it's education controlled by governments, etc., etc. And therefore, the whole foundation of the conspiracy for me is to isolate our attention, our sense of perception in the five senses and then program that uh, perception and attention with a perception that suits the agenda. And if we do not break out of that, then we are in this world and we are of it in terms of our perception of it, and therefore we are in our perception is enslaved. Therefore, we in our um, at least human totality are 
enslaved. And what happened to me um, is that I went through an extraordinary uh, series of what people would call paranormal experiences. It's actually very normal, just paranormal to the five-sense um, perception, which is, this is now 25 years ago, which um, showed me um, that, that there is other, uh, other levels to this reality. And once you start opening your mind and expanding your awareness, expanding your awareness, we are naturally expanded awareness. It's belief program beliefs which are perceptions program perceptions which hold our attention in such a narrow band of our infinite potential so once you let go of belief you're basically taking not just the blinkers off you're taking the ball and chains off and once the the belief systems are set aside and you say look information's going to be my guide from now on not preconceived idea Already your uh, um, mind is starting to open, your uh, awareness is starting to expand. And once that process starts, suddenly you've got another point of attention, another point of perception from which to see this reality. Uh, I've used this um, analogy before. Imagine the five senses are symbolically someone standing um, facing a wall at close range. All they can see is the blur of what is a brick, although they probably at close range wouldn't even realize what it was. You then start walking backwards or walking away from that uh, brick, the five senses in its real extreme program form. And suddenly as you start to walk away and you're panorama starts to expand you see that the brick is in a house the house is in a street the streets in a town the towns in a country etc and this is what happens in terms of consciousness and you know i, I hold my hand up to anyone who takes the trouble uh, and, and and goes out there and communicates any information that challenges the system but 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 what i would like to see personally is that the alternative media in a far greater um, um, area of itself starts walking backwards from that brick and starts to realize that actually the conspiracy is far, far deeper and far, far different to what it appears to be on the surface. Corporations, engineered wars, engineered um, financial collapses, all of which need reporting. I do it myself. But they are a projection. They are an expression of something much deeper. And that's where the, the, um, the truth lies and the understanding lies for why and how generation after generation after generation century after century after century the same networks go on pursuing the same agenda for global human enslavement what is the common denominator and that's what you find when you go in the rabbit hole with an open mind and um and and put belief systems aside no i think that's a great 
a great point you made there. You know, I look at it as all media. I use the term alternative media as a kind of point of reference, but really it's, it's all media. It's all information. And, you know, you have the, so instead of the mainstream media, it's really the controlled media, uh, where every presenter, every editor, you've worked in this, uh, with the BBC in the, in the past as well. So you know how the system works, but it's controlled. Everything you say is sanitized. It goes through a filter, multiple filters. Then you have the uncontrolled media, which is more like the independent media. But even that it suffers from some self-policing and self-censorship. But the, the, the depth of what you're talking about is important. You know, the other day, David, I was driving down the highway, and in America, this is a daily thing. You have to understand the flag is everywhere. You see the stars and stripes. I, everywhere. I know, yeah. It flies big, and it flies proud. And I saw a giant flag. It was huge. I, I've never seen a flag this big before off the off the highway when I was heading to the airport. And I thought to myself, some people will look at that, David, and they'll, they'll think they'll, it'll evoke feelings of patriotism. They'll think of the soldiers in Iraq. They'll think of a, a, a Toby Keith country and Western song about kicking ass in Iraq and whatever, and it'll make them proud. I look at it as a projection of power. That flag projects power. And so when I see a flag, I don't necessarily look at it <laughs> when, uh, it, it, as, as a kind of source of pride. It's a flag to me, and I understand the principles behind that flag, but I see a projection of power, how that flag is used as a, almost like, like a weapon in some cases, and has been throughout history, of course, but, so it's a difference of perception. It's when, when I'm standing on a battleship getting a tour of the uh, HMS Belfast, and you, you see, you feel that, that some people will say, oh, that's a, a a neat little ship, but I see that the power of that is all in its projection. It's what it projects. It's the idea that it projects. Yeah, for me, uh, the flag um, is a program. Um, and you see, we are consciousness. We are infinite awareness. What are we? We are a state of awareness. We are a state of being aware. That awareness has no body no form, it is pure awareness. But to experience various realities, it has to have, if you like, an outer shell within the frequency band it wants to experience so it can interact with that reality. Um, I mean, my, my awareness cannot pick up the pen in front of me. My um, body, which is resonating within the frequency band of the pen, can do that. And what happens, Patrick, I would suggest, is that this manipulation of perception, this manipulation of pulling our sense of identity into the um, five senses to the point where we believe the five senses and all that goes with it, i.e. the body, the name, the life story, the family history, the race, etc., is who we are, that's when um, infinite awareness becomes um, a perception or has a perception of itself the size of a pea because everything that it is self-judging and um, self-identifying with is a minute part of all that exists. It's what the five senses can interact with. And this 
base program of self-identity with name, family history, income bracket, race, country, etc. That's the base program. And then there are endless other programs that, that are added to that. And, of course, the flag represents I am American, I am British, I am French programs. Um, and the, the difference that I would um, say between the two is that what we are is infinite awareness, a state of being aware. This is why when near-death experiences um, leave the confines, the filter of the body, which focuses our attention in this tiny range of frequencies called visible light, they have an, a massive expansion of awareness, and many, many say that they can see everything in a 360-degree uh, circle at the same time, past, present, future, uh, and what have you. And so what um, we are is awareness. What the country of birth, the um, the job, the income, the race, the family history are, the name, are experiences of that awareness. And what the conspiracy has done has manipulated humanity en masse to believe that they are and what they are is the experience. And once you self-identify only with the five senses, what comes with that? A sense of absolute limitation. A sense of I can't. A sense of I have no power. Because all the, uh, the senses are constantly decoding and processing information that's telling you that's how it is. And you know, there are um, cutting-edge, uh, open-minded, truly seeking to discover scientists around the world who, who can see this. Um, I've been writing about this for years. The, the evidence of it is massive. And yet we have a whole edifice of global um, academia and science that would um, argue that the five senses is based, and the body is basically who we are. People like um, uh, Richard Dawkins, Professor Richard Dawkins, and people like that. And, you know, when we're talking about a conspiracy that involves the institutions um, uh, dictating um, reality and telling us how things are, that includes science. And, you know, this is a point I'd like to make, because you mentioned journalists um, earlier, Patrick, and, 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 and the, the media in general. The number of people who are manipulating and diverting people um, knowingly is incredibly few compared with the people who are doing it. You have this, um, in terms of the global population, extraordinarily few people at the center in the shadows. Um, and, and then you have um, this programming operation, which involves not just the people in general, 
It involves the politicians. It involves the um, the academics. It involves the, the the journalists and the media and the scientists. And it works like this. You come into this world and your parents, overwhelmingly, because they've been through the same system I'm about to describe, um, not out of malevolence, 99% of the time anyway, but because they think they're doing the right thing for their kids, they pass their programs, their perceptions of how things are, onto the children. Now, today, that period of um, from birth to school is now, is now being squeezed and squeezed. And very, very soon after uh, children arrive in this world, um, they are in the programming machine called education, where teachers who've also been through this program and know that if they try to teach or encourage anything that's outside of the curriculum imposed by the state, then their career will be in trouble. They then, um, uh, if you like, program the perceptions of reality over a great swathe of subjects into the children from the earliest age and off they go. If people were sitting round a table um, before all this started and saying, how do we get programmed adults that will see the world we uh, the way we need them to say it, then someone would probably say, well, you know the best way? If we could get hold of those kids five days a week at least from a very early uh, uh, time in their lives and have that right the way through their formative years and into their teenage years so we would have control of, of the most of the information they received. And if we then had a media which was um, under underpinning this information by repeating it and, and accepting it to be true, then we would have an adult population that would be uh, enormously, um, it, it, enormous in its number in terms of seeing the world we the way we need them to see it, and 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 that's what we have. Education is a programming machine. So you go through school, you go through um, into college or university, and at the at the end of this university, where most of the institutions get their personnel from, these um, these kids into their teenage years have been through a almost total lifetime of perception programming. They've accepted all the the tenets and the pillars of the system's version of reality. And then they go off into journalism. They go off into politics. They go off into science. They go off into medicine. They go off into banking. And although they're in different um, uh, areas of the system, Although in terms of politics, uh, they'll be in different so-called parties, in terms of journalists, they'll be in different television stations and in different newspapers, but that set, that base program, that base perception program, has been downloaded by the vast majority of them. And so when you, you know someone like me comes along and starts challenging the system, you don't even need journalists to... Um, knowingly say we've got to ridicule this guy and we've got to dismiss this guy and we've got to say this guy's a nutter so he won't be believed, most of them are so welded to the system's version of reality 
at the uh, the, the um, dismissal of all else, that they will naturally ridicule anyone that stands out. The Japanese say, um, don't be the nail that stands out of the rest, because that's the first one to get hit. And, and there's two reasons it gets hit. There are some times that it's hit on purpose because the people doing it know they've got to shut this person up. That's the very, very small number. Most of the times that nail is hit is because of the response of um, family, uh, colleagues at work, uh, if you're in the public eye, the media, to something that is too different for them to comprehend because the program has them. And it's the same in science. And then when you start to control the funding in science so that those that sing from the song sheet get funding and those that challenge the song sheet do not, then you've got a self-perpetuating, um, perpetual motion machine that can go on generation after generation, um, imposing and programming the um, the base consensus perception um, and, and be free from challenge. And this is why, you know, I'm saying, Patrick, we, the alternative arena needs to open its mind far, far more to um, what's going on. So the alternative media, which has done a fantastic job in challenging the five sense level of this conspiracy, if you like, that we can start to challenge um, suppression of information that is vital for us to get a grasp and a grip on um, the world as it really is. No, and there's, you're right. There are very, there are multiple levels to this. I mean, even within the alternative media, you have things like the Patriot movement, and that in itself yep. rep- represents a program because it's based on self-identifying with uh, an idea uh, that you're uh, some a defender of the nation state or the flag or whatever you want to call it. Um, exactly. It's a program. So I, I understand completely what, so anything that you self identify with, I had to register the vote and I have to, I have to choose, if I want to vote, I have to choose which party I'm with, David. So I, <laughs> you, there's, there's no way out practically. I mean, yeah, I can register as independent, but I don't get to vote in the primaries. So I don't get any choice in the preliminary election if I go as an independent. So it's we're absolutely restricted on so many different levels. We're forced to self-identify to put stickers on ourselves or tattoos. tattoos. Yeah, it's an interesting point. You 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 bring up the 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 the, uh, whole um, arena of choice, Um, and when people um, are deluding themselves they live in a free country one of the things that they say is that i can make choices i can choose i can choose i can choose but the system gives you those choices you've you've um explained that very well just now what the system does it gives you a small number of choices i mean in politics in america too um and then says that you are free because you can choose, but all you're choosing is what the system offers to you. You can't choose what you want because the system doesn't want people who can choose what they want because that means people are truly free to express themselves. They don't want mavericks. They want clones, Uh, but um, they have to 
produce an illusion of choice so that people accept an illusion of freedom and people do not um, rebel against not being free when they think they are. So this, this, this illusion of choice that you've just brought up is very, very significant in the, in the way the manipulation works. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, we're, we're going to delve into that a little bit deeper in a minute. We're going to take a short break, and we're here with our guest, David Icke. This is the Sunday Wire, our 100th episode. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay right there. Welcome back, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Sunday Wire. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. We're streaming out live on the Alternate Current Radio Network, ACR, and also at 21stCenturyWire.com. Thank you for joining us. We're back with our very special guest, David Icke. And before the break, uh, David, we were talking about programs, and uh, we are talking about different levels of reality, and this is a really deep area of, of exploration if we really want to start drilling down into this area. And... Uh, what, one of the things that comes to my mind is the idea of learned helplessness. And so the day, yeah. we have this thing called the daily terror or the daily shooter. Not in America, especially not a week goes by, not a day goes by that there's not a sort of terror or shooting event, which we get pummeled by, uh, in the media. And it, it, it causes this kind of paralysis or this sort of level of helplessness this is absolute programming in my opinion david where they want you to say go to the state begging for a solution begging please help us bring us security bring us stability when in fact what you're being programmed with is not a a threat to you as an individual at all it's the the risk level is is it's much more dangerous you crossing the street getting hit by a bus than it is being uh, caught by an Islamic terror attack or something like this, or a daily shooter. And it's a, such a powerful... I mean, has the world gone mad, David? I mean, I see this... Now it's a daily event. Well, um, it's interesting to, to ponder on um, a definition of madness. I mean, if you take um, infinite awareness in, its, in awareness of itself, and then you see... Um, a fraction of that perception isolated in the five senses. Well, I think there's very good. Um, it's a very good case for um, proposing that that isolated uh, awareness um, that sees the world in such a fractal way um, is in, uh, some form of, of insanity. Certainly, some form of extreme um, uh, mental imbalance or awareness imbalance. And once you have isolated the five senses, you are, um, a, you, everything is there for you to program people's perception ongoing. Now, I've been writing for years that the, the body is a holographic biological computer, and it's programmable. This is where the mind control projects of government and military come from. This is how what they're programming. And one of the um, areas of programming that I've written and researched uh, at a great length um, from the 1990s um, is what is known as trauma-based mind control. And one of the aspects of that is that when you traumatize people, 
you um, assess what would make them most traumatized, what would put them in a greatest um, state of terror, and you do it to them. We're talking about um, little kids being um, sexually abused, being violently abused, being forced to watch um, uh, human sacrifice and animal sacrifice. And what, one of the reasons they do that, um, there are deeper reasons too, but one of them is that um, a traumatized mind is a suggestible mind. But when people go into states of trauma, they're not only looking for protection and for um, um, help to uh, protect them and save them from what the, 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 the trauma is, they're all also far more suggestible. Now, that is how they work on an individual level, but, of course, it works collectively. 9-11, that day on 9-11 and the days that followed, the, the global um, population would have been in a tremendous state of suggestibility in terms of what do we do about this because of the um, trauma that they were consciously or subconsciously, uh, much of it, um, being subjected to. And so um, when you have these ongoing um, violent incidents and, and, and shootings and, and, and uh, beheadings and all these things, would have been, what is it doing to people? It's traumatizing them. It is um, preparing them to accept um, suggestions. And those suggestions are what we must do as a result of what, is, uh, what has happened. Now, what we're seeing in Europe with this uh, great wave and gathering wave of migrants pouring into Europe and the picture this week of the, the little boy dead on the beach who was uh, in a family that was fleeing from Syria is that it, it is traumatizing. Of course it is. The, the sight of seeing a, 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 a little boy dead on the beach, three years old, is, uh, you know, drowned trying to get away from, from violence and, and terror in Syria, of course, it's traumatizing, and, and, and they use this to then suggest the, um, the, the, what, what has to happen to uh, an end to what is, is the subject of the trauma. And what, what is being indicated today, being out in this country, is that um, the government is suggesting that the, the only way of stopping the migrant crisis and all the horrors and deaths that are occurring from it is in um, a hammer in the Prime Minister's words to bring peaceability to Syria. I mean, how can choke saying that um, uh, only he knows. But the way to bring about that peace and stability is to give the go-ahead for British bombing of Syria to join Turkey bombing of Syria, to join America bombing of Syria, to join the so-called rebels, funded, armed, and um, trained by the same uh, countries. Um, uh, uh, and when all that is happening and being focused upon um, a tragic country like Syria, um, what, what is going to happen except it's going to get worse? So we um, are looking at a mind game. I've been saying this for 
two decades. It's a mind game. It plays out in what you might call physical actions. It plays out in 9-11s and banking crashes and, and, um, and, and wars and, and terrorism. But what it is, it's a mind game. It's getting people in a state of um, receptive, a receptive state to accept what the agenda is. And, of course, the agenda is for a global fascist centralized um, uh, global state. And I'm waiting now. I'm waiting because it's going to come um, that. The governments are going to announce that ISIS terrorists have um, come into Europe with the migrants, posing as migrants, and now we have a massive domestic terror problem, so we need a more police state, more surveillance, and all the rest of it. It's, it's, it's um, as predictable as the sun coming up tomorrow in, in Phoenix. Oh, hold, so, hold, hold, hold that hold that thought, David. Like, so I swear to our listeners, we haven't rehearsed this. I just pulled this audio clip from CNN this morning, David. This is Bob Bear, former CIA analyst, and this. Listen closely, if you can, to what he has to say. Go ahead and roll audio clip five. We're, we're talking about almost a million uh, refugees that are coming into Europe. And, Bob, like, there's not a lot of welcome to go around in Europe or the U.S. The argument is that people from Syria, ISIS members, or, or those terrorists possibly from Libya could potentially slip in under the, the guise or under the cover of this mass migration. Is that a real threat? I think it's a real threat. I mean, any time you have this number of people coming across the biggest migration since World War II, people are coming from conflict areas across Africa, across the Middle East, bring their politics with them. And what we've seen from this these last couple of days is how easy it is to get into Europe. And if it's easy to get people across the border, it's easy to get explosives and weapons and the rest of it. And what has a lot of Europeans concerned is they will bring their conflict. And secondly, I have to say, where, where does this all end? There are 60 million refugees from the Middle East and Africa that have been displaced. I mean, Europe cannot take 60 million. And if the conflict gets worse in the Middle East, there has to be some engagement in these conflicts to, to slow this down. And we have to do this sooner rather than later. And the interesting thing is, even though the the EU, the European Union, is united, uh, there's really no... Okay. So, David, did you hear that? That was what they were just saying this morning. That's extraordinary. Um, and, and, you know, if it wasn't so tragic, it would be, it would be funny. And, and, you know, we're now in a situation where cause and effect is getting closer and closer and closer and closer. Like, you know, you would research something and you would um, predict that this is the likely uh, theme of what's being planned. And then sometime later, what happened? <laughs> but now it's almost becoming instant. I mean, that's an extraordinary um, uh, example of that. Um, and this is, this is um, one of the great things about what the alternative media have done. It's making people who actually uh, are interested in, in finding out these things more streetwise 
about the techniques that are used and, and, and the manipulation that is, that is used, what I call the totalitarian tiptoe and problem-reaction-solution. And um, it is, in my experience anyway, um, getting more difficult or less easy for the authorities to sell some of these stories because people are starting to get streetwise to it. And um, I think that um, the pressure and the challenges to the alternative media, especially those that are most effective um, from the authorities, is going to um, increase because um, we are having an effect. There's no doubt about it. Uh, when I look back to 20 years, so, um, I mean, it was a lonely journey. It was a lonely place. But and, and all there was was really good dismissal, basically. But, but it's changing. And it's changing because, um, I, I said years ago, there's going to come a point where the hidden has to be seen. Because when you are seeking to transform global society um, by manipulating from the hidden, there has to come a point, if you are going to complete that transformation, where it has to come out of the hidden, out of the planned, into public attention. And we're seeing this now. that Everything is being ranked up and, 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 and um, increased. We're seeing the economic um, uh, situation um, moving towards... Um, something very unpleasant. We're seeing the, the migration crisis in Europe. We're seeing more and more violence and, and uh, in various forms around the world, more and more war, more and more conflict. They are bringing this to a head. We're back to programming and we're back to mass trauma-based mind control. The idea is to... Um, so traumatized people hit them from so many directions with um, uh, sources of trauma that basically you, you uh, people go into a state of acquiescence they go into a state of acceptance and um, this is what the plan is and so it's it's vital that we do not go into that uh, stage of acquiescence and a state of acceptance, that state of subordination and, uh, and, and, and yes sir, no sir, and there's nothing you can do, we better do what they say. We must not um, go into that mode. And I'm seeing some certainly do that. But, but, but those that are aware have got to have some backbone and stand up and look this in the eye. Because if we don't, well, the future is not a nice place uh, to live in. But if we come together, if we um, turn um, increasing awareness of the situation into non-cooperation with the situation on a mass scale, then, then we, can, we can do something. Because when there's um, a, a few people manipulating millions, a few people in full knowledge in the shadows, um, they obviously depend for that um, uh, control and that oppression and suppression on people who are also in the various ways, on their various levels, also being um, suppressed and oppressed. And what I'm finding, Patrick, I don't know about you, um, uh, very encouraging, is the number of people I'm coming across within the system who are playing out this agenda without realizing that they're doing that. I'm just doing my job and following orders, mate. 
who are now beginning to say, hold on a minute, what is going on? Um, I had a guy uh, some years ago who had a major job with Shell Oil in South America who said to me after hearing a, a, a talk I did, I've just understood what was happening uh, while I was doing the job um, in South America that I didn't understand before. Why, why, why this was happening, why that was happening, why, why this was the policy and that was the policy, which at the time made no sense. So uh, getting this information um, out there is not just making the people in general aware, it's making a lot of the gophers aware that they are gophers of something they didn't realize they were um, playing out and being a part of. No, I can't. I couldn't agree with you more, and and I've experienced that too. You know, people have people have come forward to me who work in very big institutions, including military, even, and they're completely awake uh, to, to to this uh, overriding agenda, if you will. And it, it is very encouraging. You know what? I heard an interview with Nikita Khrushchev's son, who is a doctor. I believe he teaches in uh, Rhode Island. He's a U.S. citizen now. And he was talking about the Cuban Missile Crisis. And he was saying back then they didn't actually have a hotline during, um, contrary to what the movies portray, they didn't have a hotline between Moscow and Washington. What they had was teletext and Western Union. And the hotline was put in after the Cuban Missile Crisis. So what did they have? They, they basically, at the brink of nuclear war, we're told anyway, uh, was very little communication in terms of immediate communication. These days, David, anybody can pick up a cell phone and uh, Putin can talk to Obama within a half a second. And so I think that's a great thing to be positive about because when you have communication, uh, this can very rapidly diffuse any conflicts. I, I've, I'm very positive about the... Uh, you know, nation state versus nation state. I don't think we're going to see those types of wars. I think we're going to see, we're seeing a lot of proxy wars, a lot of meddling, a lot of subterfuge under the surface. But in terms of, you know, nuclear annihilation, uh, cold war writ large, I don't see that happening these days. I think the communication, the overall public awareness is just too great. But we're now drilling down into the micro agendas now. And you're, yes, you're correct, David. So many people are becoming awake to the game very quickly. Once they, once that level of the game starts to unravel, then the power of the, those in the shadows that are um, orchestrating this disappears. And the, the only way it's possible for a few to control the many is to have a significant number of the many working in ignorance for you without realizing what they're doing. Um, and it's very easy to have a job and you're doing it every day and the orders come down and the boss says this and the policies this and you just go about it without realizing um, what you're actually part of. And what the alternative media is doing is connecting the dots and it's so important that, uh, that there's this whole subject of dot connection is so important because the whole uh, focus of um, the system in terms of its um, manipulation is to have, uh, we're back again to what I mentioned earlier, our belief systems. It's getting people, whether it's in their job or their life in general, to focus on a dot. They don't care if it's a religion or it's a football team or it's your 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 
job at work or what it is. They don't care. So long as you have a dot to focus on. Because while you're focusing on the dot, whatever it is, um, the manipulations going on in your peripheral vision. And the more you focus on the dot, the less you have peripheral vision. And it's so important that people, while um, having interests and while having different forms of focus, they also um, hold the panorama and see how things are connecting because nothing happens in isolation. And, and this is what the media does. Um, it's one of the prime roles, which is often forgotten. It reports the world overwhelmingly as if each event is in isolation of every other event. You know, as you know, we've got a newspaper in this country called the Daily Mail, and they do um, a few Big Brother stories and, 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 you know, Big Brother gone mad and all this stuff and, and, and political correctness gone mad and all these things. But one story's on page three, another one's on page seven, there'll be another one on page 11. And it's the dots never connected. And it's only when you do that that you see the picture, the only way you can see the picture. Um, and, and, and so I would say to people, and people listening to this program will be aware of that anyway, but anyone that's new to this information, d- these events are not happening in isolation. You cannot, you cannot um, divorce the migration crisis in Europe from 9-11. You can't um, uh, divorce um, what's happening in Syria from what's happening in Libya, what happened in Iraq, what happened in Afghanistan. It, they're all connected. And it's when you see the connections, that's when the pennies drop and that's when the, um, the game opens up to you. You can see it. But the more you are focused in the five senses, particularly the more you're focused in the left side of the brain, um, which is where the system is, basically. Um, the more you are the world as a series of dots rather than a picture, and everything to you is in isolation. So in Europe, most people will look at the migration crisis now and they'll say it's a migration crisis. But it's not. It's an expression of a, a lot of dominoes falling. And when you see that, you can start to see the picture, but not until you do. Yeah, and and also with, you know, I watched CNN and they have these great heart-wrenching documentaries. You know, they show the children in the boats and and so forth. And uh but not one of these networks, not one of these news anchors, not one of these journalists seems to want to dare to address what might be the cause of the migrant crisis that it might actually have a direct uh connection to the foreign policy decisions of the countries in which they are broadcasting from. And I find that's an extraordinary, obvious disconnect. But yet, for I guess for those who are immersed in the matrix of this, what we call the, uh, the corporate mainstream media, it, it is almost impossible uh, for them to, to see that. And even if they see it, David, even if they see it, they will lash out sometimes because when you're challenging the you're challenging their they're self-identifying in many cases with governments with media outlets with news anchors they're people that self-identify with personalities on tv to say what do you mean they're lying to me what do you mean they're not telling me the whole truth that can't be possible i these are trusted people they're who are you to make such a uh you know accusation against them they are great 
and you're nothing. And, and this is the sort of dialectic that I, I often see. And it's, it's, it's absolutely extraordinary. There's people that will go to war for an idea to protect it, even if that idea is completely fabricated, even if it's completely transient or false. Yeah, and, you know, the denominator that I would um, pick out there is the system. There is a system, and it's a program. Politics is attached to the system. Um, mainstream media and a significant amount of the alternative media actually is, is attached to the system. Academia is attached to the system. Science is attached to the system. Mainstream medicine is attached to the system. Banking is attached to the system. Corporate world is attached to the system. The system is what they are um, defending. We need to break away from this um, obsession with the system being the all-knowing. And it, it's interesting you said what you just did because over the last like week or so as this migrant crisis has, has been all over the news of course in britain and europe, i mean i've just watched news programs shaking my head when people like camera for instance blatantly saying that the problem with um, the, the migrant crisis is that we need to bring peace and stability in syria not one single journalist in the very way you just described in this country, uh, on, on British television, really anywhere, said, even in these bigger interviews between journalists, you know, newsreaders and journalists talking about the world, what one, one person who hasn't got a clue interviewing someone else who hasn't got a clue to tell the people what's going on in the world. It's hilarious. But never has that question been asked or that point been put. Hold on a second. Why are they coming out of Syria? Why are they coming out of Libya? I mean, ah, it's, it's extraordinary. And some of it will be fear of not rocking the boat, and some of it will be sheer bloody ignorance of, of how the dots and the dominoes um, uh, connect. Uh, and uh, this is, you know, why the mainstream media is, is the public relations arm of the whole conspiracy. Yes, yes. And, you know, back to technology, David. So what, what, what do you think when you look at the technological landscape? Because... We, we've been raised to believe that having convenience, having automation, having all knowledge at our fingertips is going to make us smarter. It's going to make us better. And in fact, some might argue when you go out, David, and you see people with their noses buried in their iPhones everywhere these days, uh, even at church, <laughs> then it, you, you might argue that maybe people are not actually technology doesn't automatically make people smarter. You know, it doesn't automatically bless them with more intelligence or more abilities that man is not. Technology doesn't equal evolution. That's what I'm looking at. I mean, how do you see the role of advanced technology? Because it's, David, it's it's happening. It's unfolding fast right now. Um, This is an absolutely crucial area. And I'll give you my view on what's happening. Um, This technological revolution called transhumanism, beyond the human, is quite simply a massive and, in many ways, in terms of human freedom, ultimate conspiracy. To so detach the human 
um, entity from its expanded awareness that you will have a global population of computer terminals on a smart grid. Um, what is happening is that we are being conditioned to become addicted to technology. Um, you've uh, pointed out quite rightly how far this addiction has gone, because that's what it is. Um, what, what is a drug addiction? It's someone that can't stop taking drugs. What is an alcohol addiction? It's someone that can't stop drinking alcohol. What is a technological addiction? It is someone that can't stop interacting with technology. It's an addiction. And the idea is to addict people to technology. And with each step in the totalitarian tiptoe of transhumanism, to get closer and closer to having that technology inserted in the body itself. This is what we're seeing, things like Bluetooth on the ear with uh, Google Glass, with um, uh, electronic tattoos and all that. It's step, step, step to uh, technology inside the body. Now, we go to what we were talking about earlier. I've been saying for years and years and years that the body is a biological computer. The fact that it operates like that um, allows um, technological computers to be attached to the body and the brain so there can be interaction without the mouse and the keyboard purely by um, the brain activity. This is possible because although they are vastly different um, uh, computer systems, um, they are um, at their foundation computer systems. Now, what has happened so far, Patrick, is that um, we have been uh, or we have seen the programming of the human body computer, the five senses hijacking attention through the downloading of perception programs, the downloading of information through academia and through media, etc. Now that has taken humanity to a certain point of perception control. In, in, in so many people, a massively adverse point of perception control. Transhumanism is about taking that to a completely new level by putting in uh, to the body technology which is designed to interact with what you might call external technology, all these smart systems. Is there anything left, he asks himself, that has not had the word smart put in front of it by now? And the point about these smart technologies is that they are designed, whether smart meters or smartphones or smart televisions or smart cars or smart whatever it is, they are designed 
to talk to each other. They're designed to communicate with each other um, on, on uh, an energetic level uh, to form what I call the smart grid. We're even having openly now um, smart cities, which are cities that are subject to a a grid system throughout the city, which is based on things like smart meters. Wi-Fi is simply um, mirroring our reality. And it is creating a sub-reality to our reality to put even more into um, a, uh, a tiny piece-sized box of um, perception. And what I mean by that is this. I say the body is a biological computer. But what is it doing? It's interacting with called the common internet. This is the information source of what I suggest, and even some scientists are now doing uh, coming to the same conclusion. We live in a simulation, which is akin to what was portrayed in the Matrix movie. And this simulation is information, which the body um, computer decodes into an apparent reality that only exists in that decoded form in the brain and in the genetic system in general. So, if I say, um, what is a computer? Or what is the internet? More appropriately. People will say, well, it's, it's, it's graphics and it's colours and it's text and it's pictures on the screen. Well, yes, it is. But only on the screen. The only place the internet exists in that form is on the screen. Everywhere else, it is um, either in Wi-Fi information form or it's in, in other uh, forms of um, electrical communication and codes. You, I say to people, uh, what is television? They'll say it's, um, it's moving pictures on the screen. Yes, it is, but only on the screen. Everywhere else, television is not like that. That's only the screen level of it. And if I said um, to people, and computers did not exist, or people didn't even didn't know about them anyway, if I said to, to people, in this room is a whole worldwide reality called the Internet, and it's in the atmosphere all around us, um, and it's a whole reality that, is all over the world, and you can tap into it anywhere you like. People would say, if they didn't realize computers existed, they would say, that is absolutely insane. You are crazy. All right, you say there's a reality, right, all around us. Where is it? Where is it? And yet, you get a computer, and you tune it in to that unseen Wi-Fi field, and it doesn't matter if you're in Australia or South Africa or America or Britain or anywhere, you will access on the screen of that computer a worldwide reality, which everyone else is also accessing if they have a computer to access it. What the body computer is doing is precisely that by decoding information from what I call the cosmic internet 
and its screen is in the brain and genetic structure. That's where this reality um, exists. And if, just let people ponder on this point, what if a few people in the shadows knew that, and they had created a system to systematically keep that understanding from the population, so the population thought that it was living in a physical world of incredible limitation. And if you realize, therefore, that if you, if I want to control what my computer will manifest on the screen, what do I do? I program it only to accept the information that will create on the screen what I want it to manifest. Human beings are being manipulated or being programmed so that we only download and decode and thus manifest as a perceived reality what suits the agenda. And when you start to expand your awareness so that the computer is not the only arbiter of your perception, then you start to see it. But if you don't, then you won't. And the idea is this, Patrick, of transhumanism. It is to put technology in the body which will directly interact with this technologically generated sub-reality, which is unfolding and unfolding and unfolding so fast, being sold as the superhuman and all that would be wonderful. That's not what it's about. Why would people that want a global control system want superhumans? What they want is acquiescent, unquestioning slaves with no perception to see that they're slaves, with no perception to do anything about it because they have no perception there's anything to do anything about. What's that line? Get them to love their servitude. So the whole idea of transhumanism is to have people attached to this sub-reality, if, if, you, like, if you like, Wi-Fi world, so that we are downloading from that our total perception of reality at the exclusion of everything else. That's what it's about, and that's why it is so vital that we head this off, because if we don't, that's where it's going. And I just I just heard on this morning, Doctor Kaku. You've probably seen he's a Japanese American yeah. doctor, and he was raving on about how they can take an image, a computer image of a specific memory or something. They've literally got this ability now, at least on an experimental level. And he's talking about, well, wouldn't it be great if we could then transmit these memories and this knowledge to people so then they wouldn't have to go to college to learn skills that they could just we could just send them upload the skills and it would save all this time and how wonderful that would be and uh you know cheeky cheery wonderful little sort of transhumanist speech so he's wanting to say that isn't it he's trying to sell the idea david there's quite a preposterous proposal in my opinion is to strip all the human experience out because our 
Or what we are is our our experience. If we take away our experience, learning, failures, successes, love, hate, uh, life, death, everything, then what's left? What is left? It, there is no human after that. That well, I mean, you know, what do they say? Um, if you want to hide something, put it, put it on public display. What is it called? Transhumanism beyond the human. They are. Um, selling this, as you rightly say, as trans beyond the human to the superhuman. What it's really about is transhuman to the no longer human. That's what it's uh, about. And I'll I'll go further. Um, Everything is conscious. Uh, Everything is conscious as a form of consciousness, no matter what it is, because everything is is, uh, consciousness. So uh, any Consciousness, consciousness, and awareness. If it's made of energy and everything's made of energy, it's got to be conscious in some form. As we've seen with boy George Bush, not all consciousness is at the same level. Everything has a form of consciousness. And everything has uh, a technological, uh, technology has um, uh, the capacity to become conscious. And I've heard scientists say, um, will the internet become conscious one day? I would suggest it already is. And there was a movie, because, of course, as, as we know, um, preemptive programming and stuff like that, it, through controlled Hollywood, are coming all the, the subconscious preparations for this world in, in various ways and various movies. I mean, the number of dystopian movies that are coming have come out in the last few years is just ridiculous. They're just preparing people for it, so it's familiar to them before it fully arrives. But there was one movie, I think it was called Transcendence, uh, with Johnny Depp, and basically it was a story about downloading to the internet the Johnny Depp character's consciousness, and the internet became conscious. Now, look, look what about the um, this thing about the Internet of Things that David Petraeus, the brief uh, head of the CIA, talked about, where all even domestic appliances are connected through. Um, uh, Wi-Fi to the internet. The, the idea is to connect everything to the internet so that nothing uh, ex- virtually exists that's connected to the internet. Now, when that internet becomes conscious, and I'm writing a book at the moment, and finished it actually, which is um, um, going into this and explaining what that consciousness will be. Um, Whatever that consciousness is, that is the conscious internet, will have complete, we're talking about artificial intelligence, of course, um, will have complete control of everything that's connected to the internet. And the idea of transhumanism is to connect us to the internet. That's what it's all about. Um, And therefore control of us. This is the transhumanist agenda. And uh, people are calling me crazy. They have before, actually, funny enough, I can seem to remember. Um, But this is what's happening, and this is what's unfolding before our eyes. So so where where does this desire come from? I mean, I listen to these scientists. I watch their programs, their TED Talks, and this sort of enthusiasm, you could feel it, it, it. It's oozing out of them. Uh, and I don't know how to describe it. I, I think it would be too uh, germane to call it evil. But it's something. There's something deeper at play here. There's this this kind of I don't know if it's it's like a cult in a way. 
in a, maybe it's the cult of science. Maybe it's the cult of technology. Maybe it's the cult of transhumanism where once you buy into this idea that this is the future, that this is the way, then there's no turning back and there's no, uh, conversations or we can't mitigate progress or anything like this it has to move forward this is the overwhelming feeling i get when i see these darpa presentations or when i see google's labs launching this new plan for this amazing new smart experience robotic experience ai experience but to me um there's very i I don't see these might be very smart people in terms of intelligence david but I, i see very little thought real thought going into a lot of these ideas there's there's levels to this that i don't think are being even by the people who are at the forefront that are not being considered here and um i i think it's dangerous well um in terms of organizations like darpa and um the inner circle of google they are absolutely in conscious awareness of what they're doing and where it's going. Google is a monster. I mean, if, uh, uh, they're changing the name of much of their company to what Alphabet or something or other to um, to hide the extent of Google's uh, uh, reach. Of course, they're into robotics and all the, the rest of it. Um, but we're back to programming. And I used um, I used a phrase in a book a long time ago which said, cleverness without wisdom is the most destructive force on earth. And cleverness, or the perception of cleverness, can come from five-sense reality, or the intellect. But wisdom comes from consciousness beyond the intellect. And if you are a prisoner of the intellect, a prisoner of basically the five senses, then you can perceive something to be wonderful and um, we must pursue it. When, if you had access to consciousness beyond the program, you would have the wisdom to see the dangers and where it's going. So, and, and, and you know, these, a, a lot of these scientists are so programmed, and if we're back again to the dot, they're so obsessed with their dot, they can't connect it to other dots to see where their dot fits together put their dot in a completely different perspective and a different light. So you have within science, you have the people, once again the few, who are in awareness of what they're doing, where this is going. And this is certainly true of, of some of the leading players in the transhumanist uh, promotion. But you also have the, uh, the bag carriers uh, in science who basically are just repeating. That's what most people do. What do journalists do? They repeat what the, what the official story has told them. What do academics do? Repeat what academia has told them. What do scientists do? Repeat what the science has told them. What do doctors do? Repeat what the medical schools have told them. It's all re- they're all repeaters because it's a cycle of, re- of repeating because there's not consciousness there to question what's being repeated. So it's just accepted. This is how it is, mate. And so um, if... Um, you are uh, following the the uh, the cult of science, um, and you're not questioning things. Then you can get caught up into these things and just just become uh, um, completely um, obsessed with them to the point where there's no rational perspective of 
um, the ongoing consequences. You see, we have um, this guy I mentioned earlier, Professor Richard Dawkins, who um, has, has never seen anything alternative without grabbing a, 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 a cross and, and some garlic. Um, and he um, is, is a great um, opponent and a great attacker of religion. And, and I understand that. But he doesn't realize that he is a high priest of his own religion, which is scientism. Religions and the belief system effects of religions are not only confined to, to, to men in frocks and, 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 and people with, with, with beards and funny hats, whatever the religion is. It, that's, the, the, those, those uniforms are just the mask of the program. But the same program, effectively, um, transcends them all. And the, the program, you might call the religion program, is also the science program. It's just another manifestation of the religion program. I mean, you look at religions. Um, you look at Judaism. Okay, what is it? Okay, I'm a follower. I go to a synagogue, and a man in a frock tells me what God wants me to believe. Okay, I'm a Christian. Okay, what happens? Okay, I go to a church, and uh, the the, uh, the the minister tells me uh, what God wants and what God wants me to believe. Um, and and then you go to Islam, and you have um, a, 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 a middleman um, between uh, a god and the followers again they go to a mosque and the the, the man um, in the uniform tells them what their version of god wants them to be and what they should do it's the same program and then you have the science program which is just another aspect of that um, that is there is no god god program <laughs> and, and it's just when you when you you take a step back and you look at it you know all i see is is is, is the in these things is, is the same program manifesting with a different uniform and and that that brings me to the to our last point um which i think feeds into well i see this a lot david with especially people under 40 um so this will be like the generation after mine and the gen you know the two generations below yours but this kind of nihilism <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't want to reveal your true age. No, um, no, five. I know, young at heart. All generations. Um, so the under forties, especially, there's this level of nihilism whereby that, and and a lot of it has to do. There are a lot of people that buy into this Dawkins delusion, but it's it's really pervasive uh, in, in this generation. And you know, I was kind of, I guess, just before this, I was in the Star Wars generation, where we were coming out of many old institutions but we we i was kind of raised in the kind of space race generation where we were looking up at the stars and we were imagining what was possible and this is one of the main drivers of how people saw themselves not just of this planet but of the universe and that came to a screeching halt in recent years and I'm, what my question to you is, David, do you think that has some effect on this nihilism, uh, whereby there's people are more inward looking now rather than, uh, or navel gazing or narcissistic maybe than looking up at the stars and imagining what is possible? What you're describing, Patrick, is a narrowing of perception of possibility. And that is where the program is designed to take people. Um, you know, 
this whole human by technology, the transhuman, it's not something that just you wake up one morning and everyone's a transhuman. This is a process. It's a process that's been going on a long, long time, um, gradually breaking down the, um, the human personality and um, squeezing and squeezing and squeezing its sense of perception and its sense of the possible. You see, again, it's like choice. People confuse technological um, kind of advancement as they would perceive it um, with, with um, basically um, expansion. But it's not. It's contraction. It's contraction because the technology is taking over more and more of the human and thus contracting the human and um, uh, making the human more and more myopic in terms of its own self. And therefore, what you've just described makes perfect sense. And there's another area here. Um, and um, I written quite a lot about this and I again this is a, a part of this the book that I'm about to finish um, and that is the evidence now the, the very considerable evidence that interaction with smart technology interaction with um, the um, the internet and in all its various forms is actually rewiring the brain because people thought for a long time, and scientists thought for a long time, that once the brain was formed, that was it. But that's not how they realize now. They talk about something called brain placidity. And what that is, is the brain responds to input. It responds to data. Um, the same way that a computer changes um, its hard drive by the data that it downloads or is deleted. And what is happening, one consequence of this rewiring is an inability to concentrate for very long. The, 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 the attention span of people that fall for this is falling. The reason that more people or fewer people, more to the point, are actually reading books in a paper form particularly is because... Um, a number of reasons, but one one is that they can't concentrate any longer on it. Um, they can't. I, mean, I was reading a, 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 a article by a scientist who looked into this, and he was saying that friend of his, because he started to realise something was happening to him in terms of his attention span, spent a lot of time on uh, you know the electronic media, and he started uh, researching this, and he was talking to him friends and he talked to a, a, a person who was actually an academic and um yeah he said if, if, if you gave me a book like war and peace i could not read it i could not concentrate long enough to read that book anymore this uh, this is being systematically done and while there appears to be an extension with you know technology of various kinds what's the latest thing when Start queuing up one o'clock in the morning, so I can be one of the first. 
it's, it's actually a contraction of the human that's going on. It's an expansion of the technological, it's a contraction of the human. And, and what you say makes absolute sense and, uh, in terms of what you've observed to what I'm saying is going on. And it's so important. The key to this is self-identity. We need to self-identify with being infinite awareness, having an experience, and stop identifying with the experience. Because down that road, at the end of it, is transhumanism, where external technological um, sources will tell internal technological sources what our experience is is because as you pointed out a few minutes ago you can have experience or you can download experience and by downloading experience you are being externally um formed if you like in terms of your perceptions instead of having them um come to you as a result of your observing your own experience and to observe your experience rather than get caught up in the idea that we are the experience you have to have a a, a point of awareness that is beyond the experience in awareness that you are having an experience and then you have the ability to observe it and to hold it and say what does this mean um how do i respond to this and it's a completely different way of observing the world and we, again, go back to something I said earlier. When you believe you are your experience, that's what you are. You are in this world and you are of it, and you have no other source of observing this world except what is in that world. Once you um, expand your awareness and become uh, aware that you're having an experience, you are awareness having an experience, now you are in this world in terms of your experience, but you're not of this world in terms of the totality of your ability to observe it. You are seeing it from within, but you're also observing it from without, from beyond the programs that engulf most people. And you know what they call those people? They call those people mad. And it's um, an analogy I've, I've, I've used before. This world has been manipulated to be a complete madhouse. And if you're born in a madhouse and your only experience is the madhouse, to you, the madhouse and the insanity of the madhouse is your normal. Madness becomes normal. So uh, all these things that go on, um, uh, okay, what do we do about Libya? Well, what about leaving it alone? No, no, that's an option. So what do we do? I know we'll protect the civilians from violence by bombing them from the sky. You know, uh, uh, oh, yeah, that, that's sensible. It's, we live in a madhouse. Thus, madness has become the norm. So when you then um, symbolically come into this madhouse from without, a point of expanded awareness, which anyone can do, um, and you say, actually, this is a madhouse. Of course, from the perception of madness being normal, you, who are pointing out the madness, from their perspective, are mad. And this is the great inversion that we're looking at. And those that 
are have ambitions or have a desire to expose the madhouse, they've got to realize what comes with that. And that is the madhouse will see you as crazy. And you've got to deal with that. No one said it would be easy. And if it was easy, it wouldn't be worth doing. And if it was easy, it wouldn't even need doing. Mm. Well put. There's a lot. Well, there's a lot to to ponder on there, David. And uh, we really appreciate your contribution, uh, not just to the show this week, but uh, your contribution in general, uh, everything that you're doing. And are you doing another major speaking gig coming up soon, David? I am. Yeah. Uh, in two, uh, 2016, I'm doing a world tour. It's called the Worldwide Wake Up. Uh, I'm going to be on the. I'm going to be in um, New York and Los Angeles and uh, San Francisco or that area. I'm going to be in. Um, it looks like Australia uh, and New Zealand, about four or five places there. I'm going to be in Germany. In fact, the uh, the um, <clears throat> venue that we booked for Germany has just um, uh, refused the booking, and because it's meant, so I must be saying something right. Uh, but I will be speaking in Germany, uh, in Amsterdam, in um, Romania, in um, well, a, 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 a number of countries um, in Europe. And I'll be speaking in England, uh, in Manchester. Um, and um, there, I'm sure there'll be more dates added to that as we go along. Um, and I think 2016 is a massive year because, um, I said years ago, it's, we're going to have to go down this road quite a long way before it becomes so blatant to sufficient numbers of people that actually um, something's going on here they didn't realize was going on, um, before we will get uh, this awakening to, to what's happening on a level that can make a difference. And I think that um, we, we're, we're getting closer to that because I think the scale and, and of what's plan to happen um, through 2015 and into 2016 will um, awaken a lot of people to the fact that the world's not like they thought it was and that um, doing nothing is no longer an option. So I think 2016 is going to be a, a pivotal year, both in events we'd rather not happen and in people opening their minds to what they would have dismissed by reflex action before so i think it's going to be an incredible year 2016 yeah and if you haven't seen david speak live uh, i do recommend it when that if it's coming to a city near you it's definitely it's something to experience it's an all-day event uh you'll get a lot of information down the pipeline and uh you meet some great people at these events i always do always meet great people at these events so uh, really looking forward to that hope to catch you over in the u.s if i'm here or oh, that's great yeah, if I'm in Europe, I'll catch you over there. But thank you so much, David. I really appreciate com is his website. Anything else you want to drop before we go? Yeah, I just would like to say, um, you know, congratulations, uh, Patrick, on this uh, 100th show. Um, I know I know um, what struggles you've been through uh, to keep going. And um, you are a, um, a personification of the... Um, the, the, the stubbornness, the refusal to bow down, the refusal to walk away saying the kitchen's too hot, that we need to turn around. So many congratulations and uh, may there be many more. 
Thank you so much, David, and to you too. That's David Ike, ladies and gentlemen. We got a link to his website on the show page and, uh, check out his work. Probably the best daily news digest on the internet. Uh, in terms of headlines, you'll get it at his website every day. I go there every day. So to go check that out. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the 100th episode of the Sunday Wire. Thank you to Sean Helton. Thank you to the Alternate Current Radio Network. Thank you to all of our help and volunteers and writers at 21stCenturyWire.com, Stuart J. Hooper, Sean Helton, Randy Johnson, and the rest. Thank you, all of you guys, who make it happen. And thank you, the most important people on that list, are you, the listeners. Thank you for coming every Sunday. Thank you for being here. And we'll be back here next week. Boy, do we have a power pack show for you next Sunday and the Sunday after that and the Sunday after that. We've got guest booked now four weeks ahead. It's going to be really, really powerful. Do join us. Don't miss it. And check out 21st Century Wire this week. We've had a great run of news, and we'll continue to do that. Thank you so much, and thank you for joining us for this 100th episode of The Sunday Wire. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen, and we are signing out.